Dear Broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. You live and you learn. Trauma happens. And um, as like I am being more forgiving of myself and like of other people, but I don't, I'm bigger on like, it's a no now. Like I can see it coming. And if you do that, it's just a no. I don't do that. Like, I'm not going to be like, you know what? It might help me. It might get my name. I might be bigger. I'm like, what does it matter if I'm bigger? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Welcome back, broadies. I'm not sure about you, but this week has felt not quite as heavy as the last few ones. And it's probably because we are getting closer and closer to the holidays and my workload is starting to be lighter. And I hope that's the case for you. And if it's not, I believe in you. You deserve rest. We're almost there. And I also want to let you all know that this is the last interview episode for a little while while I go on a holiday break. I'm still going to be dropping some stuff on the feed. And next week in particular, I will be dropping the live episode finally. So you'll get to hear that. So, you know, keep an eye out. But I'm also going to be taking a little bit of a breather so that I don't completely burn out and I just want you to know that I will be back with more episodes in the new year. So in this time, feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes and check out some of the special drops I'll be doing in the next few weeks. And yeah, I'll be on social media so you can keep in touch there. As always, I want to take a moment to talk about last week's episode, which was such an awesome one with Misha Youssef, the CEO and founder of Dustlight Productions. Today, I'm going to actually let one of my listeners tell you a bit about it if you haven't listened yet. This is from Devin, who you can find on Twitter at Seven Shades of Devin. She said, hearing Misha talk about Hello Nature's production schedule made me want to shout, everyone go listen to this show. This is the feat of so much hard work, an amazing interview for all creatives. 
And she stressed that there were so many gems in this episode. And I was just so glad to hear that because I also felt that way as I was listening to Misha explain that production schedule and what it took to make Hello Nature. So if you don't want to take it from me, then you should definitely take it from Devin and go give it a listen. And shout out to everyone else who has shared their reactions to that episode with me and to all the other ones. I always love hearing your thoughts, your feedback, and I just appreciate it very much. Now, on to this week where I will be sharing my conversation with Barry Syke, who is the creator of Podcast in Color. If you haven't heard about Podcast in Color yet, I'm so glad you are here listening to this episode because it's such an important resource in the podcasting community that Barry created years ago and continues to evolve. It is a thorough directory of podcasts made by people of color. And her work has been something that has inspired me and taught me in a way as I was perfecting my own curation of podcasts on my website. So you're definitely going to hear us nerd out on website creation for a portion of this interview, as well as on social media and the good and evil that comes with it. Beyond that work, you'll also find out her first memory of listening to the podcast, The Read, and hear more about the time when podcasting was kind of becoming podcasting and what she noticed during that time, especially as someone who lives in Denver and like not in one of kind of the big podcasting hubs, if you will. Plus, if you like romance novels and Grey's Anatomy, there are some fun specific moments in this conversation that you're definitely going to appreciate and love. Um, also a really important piece about today's chat that I want to touch on before we jump into the episode is the exploitation that can happen in podcasting and that Barry has been on the first hand receiving end of and how that has impacted her own relationship with the community and in how she sets her boundaries online and with brands and companies. I do want to say that there is a period of our chat where Barry ends up crying and is working through some of the thoughts she is having that come up after a question I asked. We did talk during and after the recording about that moment because I wanted to make sure she was comfortable with me publishing that portion of the interview, and she was and is. And I am just grateful to her for being vulnerable with me and allowing me to share that vulnerability with you because I think it's a side of the industry that really needs to be heard and talked about more. So now that you know about that, I think my favorite takeaway from this chat and a part of it that I know you'll appreciate because if you're here, you want to see people's full experiences because that's what this show is all about. And it's how many emotions we go through in it. Because we're laughing through a lot of it, but then talking about serious shit and having more emotional and quiet moments. And it's really a conversation that just shows what it is to be a human moving through this time in our world and in this industry. Okay, as always, I thank you for being here and I hope you enjoy. This is exciting because this is another one of those I've heard your voice many times on like Twitter spaces and Clubhouse and things like that, but I've never actually gotten to meet you. face. Well, no, I have met you face to face, but like not one on one because we've been in. Oh, like you were trying out like a new like video app thing or like like a group hang. I forget what it was, but there was there was. I, oh, do you know what I'm talking about? Dot me thing. Yes, um, I think it was wondered on me. Yes, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wanted to hold some happy hours. That's so funny you bring that up because I was just thinking about that this morning, Ooh. and I was like, I've been saying I was going to hold happy hours for almost like nine months, but COVID, like my mind. I keep telling people like. I really only just came back to my mind like <laughs> August <laughs> of like somebody that could fully 
function and under like that just wasn't deep COVID and actually could see things outside of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> only really for me just came back in August. Like I messed up. There's a huge opportunity. I messed up early this year. And I was just like, I don't think like when I think about it now, it's almost like as if I was in a fog. I'm like, I couldn't tell you what was happening. Every yeah. day. I, don't, I don't even know what was going on. But um, yeah. I mean, weren't, weren't most people like, I would be like, if you weren't like, I mean, that's some like, I guess, really like amazing trauma response on your brain's part that you were able to not be in a fog, you know, like, I don't know if amazing is the right word, but uh, alternate way of reacting. <laughs> I just think I, I, I do think COVID tried like brought an understanding to me because I've done things like that. You know, I'm almost 40 years old. So mm-hmm. I've had years where I'm like, that year I kind of coasted or like, mm. I didn't really, you know, do a lot. And I'm like, COVID has brought that up. Like, yeah, you do that pretty easily where you kind of zone out. Mm. <laughs> You can come back. <laughs> okay, so let me, let me ask you this though, because obviously, like, I feel like for everyone, the older we get, the quicker time moves, and like, the more it just all meshes together. I guess part of that is because we're older longer, and we our brain can only handle so much. Where like, you know, like my five year old niece would be like, "Yeah," and when I was two years old, this was happening. You told me this, and I'm like, "What?" Um, but like, I don't know. Like, how much how much do you feel like that's just like a, an age thing? And how much do you feel like it's, I guess, like a personal, you know, brain experience thing? To me, it's, I feel like it's mostly a personal brain experience because if you're okay with memories, it feels like people can pull memories better when they're okay with them Mm. because I have anxiety about a lot of things or like if I was doing things and I had high anxiety during those, I can't really bring those memories up. Or if I do, like I almost tense up. So I think people that have non-trauma responses (laughs) (laughs) to their livelihood (laughs) probably can talk about the history of things a little bit more. Someone like me, like that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I am about like a lot of my childhood, uh, and 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 I'm like learning now. That's like more of like a you know PTSD type thing. But I like I will I don't know. Like I really I really only probably have like ten memories from like elementary school that I can actually if that I can actually remember, and the rest of it is just like well I guess that happened, but who knows? Like no memory. <laughs> Look at that picture. Like couldn't tell you. <laughs> No idea. <laughs> oh man, uh, I will say uh, pictures normally help me, but there there are certain moments, like certain things that just like my family would be like, "Oh yeah," and like you did this as a child, and I'm like, "Really? Huh? Interesting." Um, anyway, I, I know we're kind of jumping in, but I want to give you a chance to fully introduce yourself, as I do on the podcast. So, um, who you are in your work, and then who you are outside of your work. Um, I'm Barry. I. I guess you could say my work is podcasting. I don't know. I think of things a little bit outside <laughs> the box, but we'll say um, in podcasting, I bring attention to people of color in podcasting and podcast industry news and that kind of thing. I also have a directory on podcastandcolor.com, the largest directory, I think, of podcasts of color in the world. I would say I'm a passionate person and that comes out in the things that I like, which is podcasting and outside of podcasting that would be like books writing and just having deeper thoughts about things going on in the world so mm-hmm. what people see about me as being Barry is like the passionate and like how I feel about things and I'm deep into it like when my family sees that they're like that's exactly her on like every <laughs> subject she loves like <laughs> that's her <laughs> 
I love that. I also, I appreciated hearing like when we just first jumped into this conversation of your struggles with anxiety, because just obviously we're like fully actually meeting for the first time right now, but you're someone that when I look at your social media and see you on social media and how you move on social media, I feel like you have like really great boundaries. Like it doesn't feel like something that like you get caught up in. Like I just wouldn't have pegged you as an anxious person. And I love <laughs> meeting at fellow anxious people. Um, and so I don't know. That was something that was interesting to me. Oh, yeah. I'm big on boundaries, though. I can say therapy for black girls has taught me that I, I understood it a little bit before. For that, but like listening to Dr. Joy and like mm-hmm. her describing it, I'm like, that's what I do. And I need to do that even more. Um, <laughs> I'm big on um, boundaries and people understanding that and then trying to be as truthful as possible, because I think that helps people create a boundary. Like if I lie or if I, you know, right. I'm dishonest about something, you kind of keep doing something, but especially in podcasting, I feel like it's easier for me to be abrasive right off. So you understand <laughs> we are not friends. Um, <laughs> approach me like an adult. Do not approach me like you can say anything to me. Mm -hmm. And that just brings a level of respect. Like, okay, now I'll never have to curse you out. So (laughs) for me in podcasting, I think that's easier because a lot of people talk to people really crazy. You think Mm -hmm. about the different situations, you know, that have happened in podcasting, the scams, the, you know, all the kind of things. And I'm like, I just kind of want to have a thing of like, if we get into something and it's something with Barry and somebody else, Barry will curse you out. Like, I don't want it to be any of that. She decided she was going to do that for years or something like that. Like if somebody has a problem, if I have a problem with somebody, I don't mind mm-hmm. just saying the thing. Yeah. I I really respect that. And like, love that and like aspire to be that more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but well, can you think of some of the key things from uh, therapy for black girls that you're thinking of that helped you cultivate those boundaries? I'm, I'd like to like to hear them. I like her episodes with moms, like mom daughter relationships and just doing like Mm. one to one person relationships or I feel like the best episodes, even the ones that she's done focusing on, like she'll do a TV show character. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, <laughs> you know, to kind of just say that's what that TV show character should be doing in therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really those person to person or like the mom daughter relationships where I'm like, I've always been able to do that well. And now I see I carry that to other relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really helped. And I'm like, that I can be clear. I'm going to just stop and say what the thing is. Um, so I think Dr. Joy has just helped me be clearer on that. And that is not necessarily negative because I've always thought about it as a negative thing Mm. and she kind of helped me bring it to like no that's just a boundary and you're setting it so somebody might have a negative reaction to it right but you're like just so you know this is our this is where I stop yeah (laughs) once you know where I stop you know where I'm about to unzip my face and you know (laughs) it's an easier thing (laughs) unzip my face that's a hilarious hilarious way to put that I love that um I remember I listened to oh this was a while it was like like full full force pandemic I like I still have a hard time understanding how to like talk about time right now but I'll say like winter pandemic first winter pandemic um is what I was listening to an episode that she had with I forget the name of the guest now but they were talking about uh CPTSD and it was just like 
it was really good and I wish I had more in my memory bank right now to like share about it but that's just like one that comes to mind that I was like let me take notes on this real quick yes I, I think I know what you're talking about but it was um I don't know the guess but yes very much like trauma responses mm-hmm. um and thinking about that and like how your brain deals with that it almost I feel like therapy for black girls it helps me of course be more apologetic to me but mm. to take um like when I see children that I would normally maybe be irritated by or like think, oh my God, if you could just get that kid, um, I I can take it like it's more steps now. Like almost if somebody just reacts, I feel bad for the child than somebody mm-hmm. just saying like taking a calmer response or trying to figure out what else is going on. And I'm always like, now I'm like, oh my God, but something could be going on. The child is building a wall. You don't want that child to build a wall. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like Dr. Joyce has become more compassionate to yeah. children and other adults. Like I can take a moment, like, even though I can be abrupt in those kind of things, I'm not to the point where I can't understand that other person as a person. Yeah. Um, and I feel like podcasting really brings that to a thing, even though we're on audio, a lot of people don't even see each other, especially, you know, during COVID and taping and that kind of thing. Right. But, respecting another person because they're another person, no matter the age or, you know, the thing yeah, like yeah, yeah. that is really big to me. Um, and I do think COVID has like brought that even like just to bring up COVID again, but like <laughs> has brought that even more because respecting other people's space, um, respecting like when you meet up with someone, if they're okay with, be, you know, meeting up together, yeah. like what that means, <laughs> like what that, you know, like that they're not all going to be free and things like that. So I just think that um, between COVID therapy, black girls and other things, it just made me more of a compassionate person, even though I can say like, my first response is to be mean to a lot of stuff. So people might not see that online. <laughs> Think about trying to have a boundary with not doing that. But I am a Scorpio. So Ooh. my first response is to say, I, 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 I don't do that. <laughs> I love it. I It's funny because I have two sisters and one of them is a cancer and one, one is a Scorpio. And more and more I'm like realizing how many other people in my life or who I end up interacting with are also cancers and Scorpios. And I was like, how does this just happen? Like, what is this? And I'm a Leo. Um, and so like, I don't know, just thinking about the way that like people enter into your life and how, I don't know. I think there's like certain horoscopes that I, or zodiac signs. I, I still don't know. Astrology signs. Um, I wish I had more knowledge about it, but I feel like there's some that I just don't really have in my life. And I was like, huh, I don't know anything. I don't, I don't really know much about Capricorns. I don't think. I don't know. but like- <laughs> I find that Capricorns, um, but there are people probably because of astrology and different things, you know, if you believe that, but I do find a lot of the same people, as you kind of said, you know, the people that are your sisters, you kind of see that reflected in your friends. Yeah, I find um, a lot of not necessarily my sibling or even my parents things. I find it's more the friends that I have made over the years. Mm. There is signs usually end up being around the same thing, like a lot of Libras, Mm. um, Virgos and Capricorns. Mm -hmm. Um, It just it's kind of easy. But I think because I can be so calm and a lot of people like I'm I wouldn't say I'm necessarily quiet but my face I'm very much like I don't like people (laughs) my first response is I don't like people and so those people are kind of like okay whatever attitude she has I can play with that it doesn't disturb me right um and so that's what I think like my Capricorn friend I could have an attitude all day and that would never disturb her anything So I think it becomes for people that are not necessarily highly emotional, yeah. kind of come to me a little bit more because they're like, I'm down here. You're even worse. 
Oh, man. Um, so I really liked hearing uh, just like kind of your reflections on how like podcasting and, you know, the, the combination of COVID with podcasting, but how podcasting has helped you with your personal boundaries. It's, you know, I, I'm someone who very seriously reflects on how podcasting has impacted who I am and how I interact with the world and my relationship with myself and stuff like that. Cause I feel like it's all been very, um, a huge part of that growth, but I of course want to go back to the moment when you really first got into podcasts and kind of where you were personally at, at that time, if you can remember, I know we've been talking about memory. So if you can kind of pinpoint just the memories that do come up of when you first got into it and like just what that experience was like. And I'm sure the read was a part of that, but like which podcasts were the ones that you really latched on to? Yeah, I would say I, um, it was in my late twenties. I'm almost 40. Um, my late twenties, I kind of got into what we understand as podcasting. I would re-listened to, I had a nighttime job, um, at a rental car company and I would re-listen to ESPN shows oh. at night as I did the job. So I'd say that's, I don't necessarily remember thinking of them as a podcast, but I just remember seeing like the PTI thing that said, listen to this later. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm not up when it's on at three o'clock anymore, but I can just listen to the show later because it's funny to me. So that was my first, like, oh, okay. I was downloading and using the purple app. Um, <laughs> the read is, I would say when I first understood exactly what a podcast was and where I was finding it and that there were other audience members doing the same thing that kind of wanted to chat about the content. Mm. Uh, you know, like when I was doing the TV show and listening to that, it was a TV show. So I could always find, you know, other things, but the read was the first audio only type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I had seen other people, of course, I've been on Twitter. I'm a Twitter person. <laughs> other people like start podcasts and like do things and call it that, but it just hadn't taken off till I had seen Kefiri and um, Crystal place that link on the line. Um, so <laughs> They placed that SoundCloud link and it's like, it changed everything. I'll never forget. Like, I remember walking down the block um, and just listening to it. Um, I remember being so obsessed because I'm an obsessive person. Uh, the first episodes were getting like 20 and 30,000 people. And I was like, wow, oh, there's wow. so many people listening to these podcasts. <laughs> and it was just so big and you know, like that's how people like a lot of podcasts came from that because they saw people saw them getting the numbers on SoundCloud. So I can mm. say my relationship is like SoundCloud three um, and like understanding people were on SoundCloud and like being excited about that and thinking there's something that can come from this. I'm one of those people. I'm almost 40. I can tell you <laughs> I'm a person that. I feel like I missed out, even though it's still happening, on like the startup culture and mm. Silicon Valley and like understanding that and when I could have got in on different startups and maybe had some money because I, you know, started with the startup early and that kind of thing. So yeah. in pot, like when podcasting started coming, I was like, oh, okay, this is something else like, you know, that's new and maybe I can do something with it that would be able to, you know, make money or like content or I'm used to blogging, but I'm not doing that anymore. Maybe there's something around that. And so I was really excited. That's kind of like how everything came about. I I remember I wrote a thing. I don't know if I can find that, anymore, <laughs> but I wrote a thing before I started Podcast in Color that I understood because of SoundCloud, the day that 
the read released, which was on Thursday, then mm-hmm. so many people were listening. And I was like, if I could just get 5,000 people, if there's, you know, 10,000 10, people play this on a first day, mm-hmm. if I can just get 5,000 people to talk about, you know, the podcast they're listening to, and we're not even talking about just the read, that would be so huge. Yeah. And like talking about the podcast industry and the audience, I'm an audience member first. And that's kind of how podcasting got started because I was like, okay, I'm going to start this on my regular Twitter account. The people that follow me didn't care. So I was like, let me create another Twitter account for people that just like podcast them. <laughs> and that's kind of how I was all born. I like, you know, created a Twitter account, went to Blogger, did a um, a Blogger website, started with just one page. And I, because of the, re- I only listened to the read at first, I thought everything was small. And I thought it would just be a one page blogger that didn't last long. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it kind of grew from there. And I can say, from there, it's always felt like I was behind, like, oh, okay, I should have been doing this. Oh, okay, I should have been doing that. Mm. Oh, okay, I should have known this. Um, so that's how I feel now. Like where I felt like I was ahead when I was starting. Now everything I do, I feel like, dang, I'm like a year behind or I should have been doing this more. Um, so that's my relationship with it, that it started positive And now oh. <laughs> I should have been doing more. <laughs> It's so funny you say that, though, because like you're someone who is continuously named and like by me as well as someone who like is often thinking ahead. I think that's a really <laughs> funny contradiction. Like, I'm sure you see people say that. Like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you see people say that, is your thought like, oh, that's so nice? Or are you like, no, but like, I'm also still so behind. I think that I have the power to think about the things coming and I can talk about that, Mm -hmm. but I don't have the, the thing to build what I hope would go with those things. So I do think that I can say what's coming and understand what Spotify and Apple and stuff, like what the futures are coming and like looking at the data from behind, but then I'll start to think like, what should I be doing in accordance with those things? And that's when I'll personally feel behind Mm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. It's funny. I just, I just tweeted like yesterday about one of the frustrations of like being an indie creator is like knowing what you want to do or what you want to implement, but not having like the resources or time to actually do it. And then it's like, okay, then what, what is the game plan that makes the most sense given the like time and resources I do have? And it's so frustrating. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm doing now. Like I, it's been a year since I paid somebody to do my Wix site. The money I paid them is ridiculous um, <laughs> for them to have not done anything and for me not to have a Wix site that people couldn't see. But now I'm teaching myself Wix because I'm just going to do it myself. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, and I feel like that that's cool, but it also puts me behind because right. what else could I be working on? I haven't been doing a social media graphics I need to do. I haven't been doing blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, because I've taken a break now where I'm like, I'm just going to teach myself Wix so I can put this directory on here. I have all the Excel sheets. I have the rest of this. All I need to do is build the backwards or like, you know, the behind the scenes repeaters and stuff like that, that I figured out. Um, but I would say I'm about 50% there. So, I mean, it's working. Yeah. Wait, so I'm having the skill. <laughs> is that, right. <laughs> is that, um, is that the site that I'm looking at right now? Or is it no, a different one that you're building? that you're looking at okay. right now. Um, okay. But it's there. Um, and I've been trying to figure out like how it should go. But I was like, I feel like I'm maybe a month away. I'm hoping by Christmas I'll be able to put it up. But I'm okay. like, I'm not a coder. But if you saw me last night, I was like, all right. I figured most of this out. I figured out how to do Excel sheets. And I'm not an Excel <laughs> sheet person. I figured out how to like, I've had to teach myself each of these things. And I was like, a lot of people 
before podcasting, I just worked in call centers, did customer service type things. Mm-hmm. So everything that I've done is something that I've taught myself to do mm-hmm. and feel I've taught myself to do. It wasn't something that I came into podcasting like, oh, I've worked in audio or, oh, I worked in radio or, oh, I worked in marketing and da 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 da. It was like, no, I thought of things and I thought, let me read up on this some more and then tell other people about it. And that's why people follow me. Yeah. 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 I will read up and build new skills and then tell other people about it. And that's what most people think. I think just think I know stuff. And I'm like, no, I just read a lot. And Mm -hmm. then you see me on the internet talking about the kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's a skill in and of itself, because I think not everyone can like take in information and expel it in a way that's actually like more accessible to more people because not everyone has time to do all that research. And even if they're doing it, they might not be able to like process or like take away the key points that they really need to know. Yeah. I was calling myself a loser online saying that one day and Steve Wilson that used to work at Apple was uh-huh. like, please stop. Like that's a skill. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, that's what people pay for. People pay for consulting. Like it was like he broke down. I, I felt like he was almost irritated with me in a way like, yeah. Please stop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good person to have in your circle, though. Like, you know, that's, I mean, like, that's going to be like, well, no, but like, you know, like, I guess like that phrase, like, give you your flowers, like be like, you might not be able to see it, but I see how valuable that is. Yes. And that has helped. So yes, those kind of people I do appreciate. Yeah. It will. So because I, I was asking about the site, because you're, you're one of those people that once I found out about you, because I found out about you through work it in 2019, I, when I like saw you speak, um, that was that was my first entry point into podcasting color. And before then was when I had started my blog where I was trying to just like recommend women hosted podcast episodes. And, um, and then when I found out about you, I was like, Oh my God. Yes. Cause like I was excited that there was someone else. Um, I mean, you had been doing it for much longer in a different capacity and for a different focus, but still it was cool to get to see kind of like how you were creating your site uh, which I guess is like a little a little nerdy to get into, but like your site has had so many iterations since then. And I'm always really impressed to see like how you're evolving it. Cause even just like, I, I feel like I just looked at it like two or three weeks ago and then I looked at it like two days ago and I was like, wait, it's different now again. Like there's this cool like scrolling function on the left side. And I'm like, I didn't even know Squarespace could do that. Maybe I should try in that. So <laughs> that was me. I was like, that's what I'm on right now. I was like, that's what I'm just going to do. I'm just going to be creative. I'm just going to figure out stuff. I'm playing with different layouts on Squarespace, mm-hmm. I'm playing with different things on Wix. I'm watching YouTubes on different things and just trying to think about how I want layouts to look. And I was just like, I know I've done it on Squarespace with a blank slate. So I know I could do it on Wix. Yeah. Um, like, as you said, yeah. looking at the different things and I'm like, there's just more. And as you were talking about before that, Um, And finding me in just um, another podcast resource, I find I really do like other people like yourself, um, like Arielle, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, audio dramas exist, Bellow Collective and those kind of things, because we're kind of like the podcast resource people. So we're almost like resources to each other. Whereas some people are just making content or, you know, just doing different jobs. We're like the resources that are holding together (laughs) podcasting in a way because people need us as, you know, spaces to find the things that they're looking for. Yeah. So I do feel like there's a big connection with people that understand themselves as a resource in podcasting um, and use themselves as that. Like, I want you to come to me and find other people Mm -hmm. and not everybody wants to do that. So I do like when we find each other. 
um, yeah. and things like that. Cause that's a whole different part of podcasting. Yeah. Agreed. And there's not a lot of us, um, there's coming to be more, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it's really great. And so I actually wanted to go back to one of the things that you said when you were talking through just kind of your journey into podcasting, you mentioned starting the Twitter page. And so was the Twitter page, the official start of podcasting color? Like was the, was the initial idea of like, oh, I want to create a directory or like, did it start as something else and then evolve into this I knew directory? I wanted to create a directory. That's where it all kind of started at. And then I wanted to live tweet podcasts, but I knew I wanted to talk about podcasts. I knew I was an audience member. I was addicted to social media. I've also <laughs> understood that like, as you know, really Twitter, not necessarily all of social media, but Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I understand as far as me and my close circle. I am, I'm trying to think, I might be the only person without children. Um, Mm. So most people around me, they might've enjoyed podcasts or the read and things like that, but it would be me that sent it to them. And if they didn't want to listen to something on pop culture, I tell people, I still want people to find their favorite podcast. I'm not trying to make the read your favorite podcast. I want you to find the podcast for you. So that's how it all came about that I'd be talking about podcasts that like some people took it as abrasive, like, you know, there's more out there. And I'm like, just because I'm talking about the read don't mean other podcasts don't exist or you shouldn't like things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to expand that. So, and that's what I still do on social media today is like, I try to ask people what they're listening to. What would you like to share with other people? Because audience members matter, engagement matters. And I'm not sure that minus somebody just having one podcast and understanding that they don't understand that they should be engaging in that in a big way. And I'm like, don't we all understand? We love it when TV show actors respond to us and we live tweet a TV show. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want that with a podcast where they're interacting or favoriting a tweet or, you know, laughing at you back and those kind of things. So those are the kind of things that I have always thought about in encouraging um, like Twitter and being on social media, like I want the directory so other people can find podcasts. I want to use my social media to kind of just be a speaker of like, let's just talk about podcasts. Let's talk about podcasting um, and just spread the word about things. And you're coming to me because I spread the word about things because you want to find out about things. Right. So that's like really been my biggest goal is I want people to find the podcast for them, not necessarily my favorite podcast. So mm-hmm. I want to give space to those type of things. So those are the types of things I hope I do. Um, and that's what I try to do on socials most of the time. So yes, started with social media, but connected to the blog site. I started by live tweeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People didn't necessarily like that because everybody didn't listen to the podcast when it dropped. <laughs> I'll never forget some of the responses. So I don't do that as much anymore. Um, so I've just tried to figure out other ways. I'll just ask people what they're listening to um, and that kind of thing and retweet that versus like live tweeting something and people haven't got a chance to get to it. They get kind of irritated. I found that out. So. Hey, fellow podcasters and industry folks listening. So Barry and I ended up getting even deeper into this conversation around live tweeting podcasts and audience engagement and where the industry is headed. It didn't make the final cut of this episode, but if you want to hear more on that, I'll be dropping a little bonus clip episode on Friday that might help you think differently about how to engage your audience. Now on to this week's sponsor. If you listen to the pod broads, I'm guessing it's highly likely that you are either a podcaster or you know at least one person in your life who podcasts. So this is for you or for that friend. 
You know how much work it can be to create and promote a podcast, and more often than not, most of that time goes towards production and not promoting. What you need is someone else to take some of those production tasks off your plate so you can spend your time telling the world about your show. That's where Swell comes in. Swell is the first podcast editing service for women by women, created by my friends at The Wave. If you want to get some much-needed time back into your podcasting schedule, visit swellpodcasting.com and use my code PODBRADS for 15% off your first month. That's PODBRADS for 15% off your first editing package with Swell. I think about, there's this line you have on your on your website, and it's something like how podcasts are are your connection to the outside world Probably. i think is the line that's what do, i say do, from denver like, yeah and <laughs> it feels like my connection like yeah and that's I, the cord i'm holding on to like there are other people <laughs> well so talk to me a little bit more about about that just about where that comes from like there are more people what do you mean there are more people i guess well i am in denver colorado um the amount of black people here are under 10%. Uh, growing up in Denver, the city, like where I live um, in the main part of the city was actually where black people live. So it's kind of crazy um, that like, I grew up around black people, but we don't have a high percentage here. Yeah. We've moved out to the suburbs now um, for other things, but it's just been big. So as like, I would say twenties and thirties, I went to an HBCU for college. I didn't mm-hmm. finish that, but I went. Um, but <laughs> I understood after going to the HB, like growing up here, Denver had the biggest um, MLK Marade Day, like the biggest thing that happened every year for MLK Day uh-huh. was happening here. And it was like, people thought it was DC. And it was like, no, it was all the Denver Black people turning out for our Marade where we walked down <laughs> downtown. Um, but like, that was for years. So I'm like, I've always had a sense of, community and understood that was here but as I grew up that changed and shifted where it was in the city Mm -hmm. so when the read came it was almost like okay I'm almost 30 you know most of the people where was like the city isn't the same I don't find you know people my age the same as you grow you just don't find that so it felt like another connection to people like me which I had just found on Twitter mm-hmm. now an audio um, that I can have any time of day and they're like me they think like me they pay attention to the stuff that I pay attention to it's not silly to think about on Twitter if I mentioned Twitter to one of my cousins they're like oh you're on Twitter again where if I'm on Twitter talking about things so we're like we're laughing and talking about the things we're yeah. talking about like oh my god did you see what just happened <laughs> um, so <laughs> I just um I felt like it was my connection to other people my age on social media that didn't down it and they were like no we're doing this which is big because that's how I make money now um that's how the read makes money but like you know people were talking about it first like you know you're always addicted on Twitter and blah 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 but a lot of people have been able to change that into money not everyone Um, right but that's been really cool to be able to see like on that Twitter timeline, us being on Twitter, messing around, people being like, oh, I can do something for money. And then people being able to actually like do whole livelihoods from the thing that they figured out yeah. um, while on Twitter. Yeah. Well, so how is that? I guess were a lot of the people in your life really kind of confused when you got really into and obsessed with kind of this this no, area or no? As I said, like my whole thing is like obsession. So... <laughs> um <laughs> 
is. Like I'm obsessed with romance books and that kind of thing. Um, so I can't even explain to you all the things I've done. Um, but like I've went to a lot of conferences that are for readers, um, been a part of online groups that were, you know, for different romance authors that were really big. And that's where like people really converse to talk about different things. Um, so before podcasting, I would say I've, I've had romance books and that's been since I was a teenager and I've traveled all over the United States for different things <laughs> related to romance books, romance book authors, and like being intense about it. So for me, podcasting was just another thing to be like, oh, I'm intense about it. And talking about it with friends or family, it was just like, oh, that's the next thing that you like. It wasn't like, oh, okay, what is that or anything? It was just more like, that's something else she's intense about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I think I was curious because at least from what you've shared, it sounds like with podcasting and obviously that's like people know you in the industry of like it became more than just like an enjoyment obsession like it's actually something that you can make money from and that is a part of your like career journey more so than like just like a a hobby that you love that's a part of your life journey like strictly life it, at least like that's how I would differentiate but what what's what thought is coming up for you because I I'm seeing your expression <laughs> so I want to know <laughs> <laughs> I, I shrug because I tell people like if it hadn't been for COVID I don't even know that we'd be sitting here talking about podcast and color right now like I mean I yeah. guess I haven't really said that online or in a podcast but I mean before COVID hit I planned on you know I was planning to go to Kenya to do the Africa podcast but mm. I had really planned on going back to kind of what I knew, like customer service type of things. I didn't know if I want to do a call center or if I just wanted to do other things around that, but I kind of wanted structure back mm. and it, I've applied to different people in podcasting that hasn't worked out mm-hmm. um, <laughs> over time, but I know I'm creative and it almost feels like podcasting is starting to eat at me in a way. Mm. And so I don't know that I like the way it, see, I'm tearing up. Mm. the way it makes me feel sometimes yeah or to have to talk about stuff like to have to talk about sound up and amped brunch and how I really feel about Spotify which I don't say and there's just other things where I'm like "Eh, do I want to be here (laughs) Um, nobody wants to pay me but you all love my opinions Mm. um so I'm just like here my relationship with podcasting isn't as exciting which is probably why I'm not doing the things that I normally would do or be as active as I was before. Yeah. But I'm just like, I'm gonna do what I like, which is my directory. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about podcasts. I like, I don't necessarily deal. I deal with the bigger industry when I want to, but when I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah. I don't care anymore about like, if somebody says something to me or feels I should be working with somebody or something like that, I will respond like there's a whole thing with good pods right now where I'm not against them. I just felt like they rubbed me the wrong way. And I have this thing where I'm like, how many years do I have to work here for you to approach me with a check instead of approaching me to work for free? And then I have to say, oh, no. And then you're like, oh, I could pay you. Why do we have to do that? Yeah, (laughs) And I just like, why do I have to argue with you? to get you to pay me you should be just approaching me knowing I can do what I can do and they don't know that that like triggers me that's right right now yeah um I just 
I feel like people don't understand the Ambrunch sound up thing and how much it took for me mm. and how much like applying and podcasting and nobody wanting to hire me took for me. Mm. Now I just focus on the things that I like and um, yeah. I try not to get into the rest of that yeah. or talk about it because yeah. I do this. <laughs> but I just feel like a lot of people don't understand what I've done or what I've had to do to be here. And yeah. I don't know that I still want to be here all the time. Yeah. So I'm not here all the time. Yeah. That's just where I'm at <laughs> um, yeah. with podcasting. And so that's why people like think I'll do things or be bigger and things like that. And I'm like, I'm actually good where I am. Yeah. Um, I actually don't care if I work with another big company or if they acknowledge me. Um, I don't, none of that really matters. I'm just sharing podcasts and making sure PLC podcasts around the world can be found. And yeah. that's my goal. <laughs> I'm sorry if that was a triggering question. I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean for it to be, but I am sorry. I can just hope they understood me through those tears, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so for me, I just like a lot of what I do right now is like, ugh, I just want to get to a place where I feel my anxiety is low enough that I can go back into a place because I just want to have a regular job where I don't have to think yeah. about this or people liking me or, you know, to get a job and know I'm qualified to do something, but people won't hire, hire me or yeah. pay me to do it. And you could be a good company and good people. Mm-hmm. I just don't. When you do that now, it affects me and it just makes me a harder person. And I don't want to be that way because I'm a nice person. I'm mm-hmm. a good person. I'm a kind person. And I don't need to be treated that way by anybody. So <laughs> sorry that I'm having a whole breakdown. <laughs> oh my God. No, you're please, please don't apologize. I mean, I I totally can appreciate and understand how fucking so, frustrating that is. <laughs> and like hurtful, not just frustrating. It's hurtful. So I think people I try not to. I'm like, I don't want to do this all the time. I'm not somebody that brings up my trauma. I'm not somebody that wants to like go over that all the time or be like, oh my God, what was me? This is what has happened. Every time I get interviewed, I'm going to tell you about all these bad things that have happened. And it's just like, no, I'm more a survivor. I'm figuring out what I like. But if you, that's why yeah. I'm so big with boundaries, like at the start of this conversation, because I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I know what you all can do. I know you all will take from me from with no problem. Yeah. So I have to be the one to say, no, I just won't do that. And whether people think I'm taking an L or anything like that, it's just like, personally, <laughs> I just hope that I never, like I've come too close to just deleting it all. And I don't want to feel that way or feel those things. I want to be able to, if I walk away, it's really when I walk away from podcasting color to be able for it to all be up still. People can still see the things that were there before. I don't want to feel like how I felt in the past where I'm like, I'm going to delete this all and fuck everybody. <laughs> so that's where I've had to come to, to yeah. try to be a calmer, have a calmer space and um, find peace in what I do and podcasting. Yeah. Like no shame in stepping away for a while if you need to. I just think, you know, I don't, I'm a person that doesn't like to drag out my emotions unless they're ang- it's anger um yeah. <laughs> poor people <laughs> and I just think that a lot of people 
need more from me. And I'm like, you guys want stuff from me. Don't want to pay me, but you would like all these emotional work, all these other things you want to email me. And so I'm just like, yeah. I'm really weird about a lot of things in relationships and podcasting and why I won't be friends with some people or respond to DMs and people don't understand that. And I'm like, huh, I'm just, it's easy to trigger me. Mm-hmm. And if I, I'm doing this because I'm vulnerable and that kind of thing. But sometimes you don't see me on Twitter for a while. I haven't been able to find the positive. So I gotta go find the positive and come back. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable though, when like, especially in needing that feeling of safety, which I think we all need. And if something triggers it, that makes you be like, this isn't a safe situation, whatever safety means in that moment is... I mean, that's like real, that's real shit. Like feeling that in your body, like not even just your mind and your emotions, but like when your body is in that mode, it is like, it's very hard to feel safe with whoever brought that up and like was, was saying or acting in a way that was like reinforcing feelings of not feeling safe. And I don't even know if we were recording when we were talking about all the anxiety stuff, but I'm like, because of my anxiety and high anxiety, it already puts me in a different place. So I'm already like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the type of things. And I'm like, most people don't know. I'm like, I have a rash on my leg because of anxiety right now. Like my anxiety mm. like, comes out in oh. different ways, like on my skin. <laughs> I have like yeah. bald spots that oh, yeah. and things like that. So I'm like, a lot of people don't understand the stress mm-hmm. of things. And I'm like, I'm just trying to handle it. I'm just trying to keep going you know, life is happening. Um, yeah. So now with podcasting, a lot of stuff triggers me. So I'm like, I can't apply for jobs anymore because it takes me to a bad place. And then after I don't get the job, it takes me a couple mm-hmm. of months to kind of like pull it back together. <laughs> but it's like all these people saying, yeah. you should be hired. These people should hire you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that doesn't even feel positive anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you don't even know that I've applied there and they didn't hire me. So let's not talk about that (laughs) but like to bring that up would just be like then the conversation becomes why and people want to have deeper conversations and I'm like I don't do that like once the feeling is there I acknowledge the feeling but talking about the feeling for two hours I don't do that like I can just tell you that was fucked up and that's what it is for me (laughs) Um, like you know going into the whys and the who's and the things like that I'm like yeah it's just it was fucked up um but overall, like, I do want you to see, like, I'm okay. Um, I can express emotions and be okay. I can cry and be okay. I usually just let myself cry if I'm going to cry. That's what yeah. I try to stop myself. Um, but it's like mm-hmm. going back to therapy for Black girls. <laughs> Life happens. Emotions yeah. happen. Things are okay. I feel good that I can be attached to my emotions I can say what I'm feeling and understand that because in the beginning of podcasting, I didn't. And now that I do, it's easier. Mm. Like in the beginning, there was a lot of stuff that happened that other people would be like, oh my God, you <laughs> let that. And I think I just didn't understand things at the time. And now that I do, it's like even harder, like thinking yeah. back on it, the whole trauma thing. And being like, oh my God, I just don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to talk about it. And that kind of thing. So... <laughs> to bring it all the way back to the start of our conversations (laughs) so yeah no it's I I love that and I I don't know you just said like the the let that part is like I've 
I mean, not in like the same type, like situations, but like I look back at things that I feel like I quote unquote let happen, but I'm like trying to have more compassion with my younger self. Um, even yeah. if it's like an older, younger self, but like have more compassion about that, that time when it's like, you know, like, did I let that happen or did I just like not have either like the tools or like the education around what that situation should even look like. Cause I think of my like own like workplace trauma and like things that I quote unquote let happen and like partook in with like people who were the ones that were supposed to be mentoring me. And, and then I'm like, Ooh, that wasn't okay. But how was I supposed to know if that was okay? If that was my first entry point into this situation, you live and you learn trauma happens. And, um, as like, I am being more forgiving of myself and like of other people, but I don't, I'm bigger on like, it's a no now. Like I can see it coming. And if you do that, it's just a no, I don't do that. Like, I'm not going to be like, Ooh, you know what? It might help me. Yeah. I might get my name. I might be bigger. I'm like, what does it matter if I'm bigger? What does it matter if people know my name? Do I even care about that? I don't even want people to know my name. When people know me, like <laughs> people don't understand, like, there was one time in New York that this girl knew me by my voice. And that's how I knew like Brittany Luce. So this is so funny that like the first time I met her, I heard her voice and then I turned around like, oh my God, I'm in the room with her. Where is she at? And so like, uh, somebody did yeah. that to me at a free live show. And I was like, oh my God, that's scary. Um, I don't know that I want people to know me like that. I mean, I like knowing other people like that, but I don't know that I want people to hear me talking or something and be like, Barry? Barry's in the room? And so, like, I think that's also a thing that I'm like, I've always wanted to be more behind the scenes. I don't know that I want a lot of people to know my face. I don't know that I want a lot of people to know my name. I'm not really one of those people. Like, I don't need mm-hmm. to be known. A lot of people say things like, that's why I don't even mention where I work a lot, because people think that's like for clout or they want to, you know, mm-hmm. about something. Like, I don't really care about none of that stuff. And it works that I work the place that I work because I don't care about none of that stuff. And I don't care about like, you know, somebody being popular or anything. Yeah. I don't want to be in a picture. I don't want y'all to talk about me. Don't tweet me. Like, I don't want people to follow me um, <laughs> like personally. And I kind of think that's why I have to have, I'm really glad that I started the podcast account outside of my normal Twitter account, because I'm like, I like being small. I like people mm-hmm. not paying attention to me. I like being able to say anything and be a regular person. Um, and a lot of people don't get space to be that or do that. And I give myself myself the space to be able to do that. And I'm like, if I was more popular and things like that, there's a lot of stuff you can't say. Or even if you thought about, you couldn't put that on Twitter. And I can say a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, that other people can't or it'd be controversial. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'd rather be behind the scenes, a producer, somebody that understands the marketing, other things like that. And if I can't do what I would like to do in podcasting, there's other places where I can do things I like to do. I can do customer service. It's what I've flourished at forever. Um, I don't mind going to a place like a Safeway, King Supers or something like that. And, you know, doing different things. I'm like, I'm almost like the person that wants to be invisible in front of you. Um, that's me. So mm. I don't mind being the person that you might <laughs> never notice in a store that's working or something like that. Like, please don't notice me. That's easier than anything else. If you notice me, you're going to expect something out of me. And then I'm going to be like, damn. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you, is there like a question 
you wish people were asking you when you get into these like spaces about podcasting no. that you'd rather be asked? <laughs> I'm just like no. curious. It's more like <laughs> what if this person has done enough research to know who I hate, even though I rarely do talk about these people. What if they ask me a question about that? But I always think I'm very good about not talking about things I truly don't like. So nobody would be able to ask me about those things. Um, So no, I'm, I try to let people ask whatever they ask (laughs) with just hopes that they haven't like figured out something that I wouldn't want them to ask me about. Mm, Is, is going into interviews stressful because of that? I would imagine, but like, or is that just. It is (laughs) only because like if somebody said, what are things you didn't want me to ask you about? And I put that on a list that then becomes a thing that somebody knows I don't want to talk about that they would, you know, like, I don't know, like have the power Mm. to know. And I don't want people to know those things. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so funny. You say it. (laughs) It's, it's, It's so funny. You say that because I'm, I'm going to be like so cryptic in this moment, but I, I have like one thing that I have like kind of like a phobia around that like people who know me know me or like have like had private conversations with me will know that I have this phobia, but I have like this weird, like almost, I don't know. If, I don't think it's irrational because I think it's totally rational given to seeing how awful people can be on Twitter. But I was like, I just don't want to like publicly say this because sometimes I want to tweet about it and I'm like, nah, that's public. And like, if I do pop off in some type of way in five years from now, someone like creeps through my Twitter and knows that I have this phobia, they're going to torture me with it. And I'm like, let me just not. That's exactly how I feel. That's exactly this. how I feel about things. Because once people have the power or understand something, they know how to get to you. And I'm like... I'm okay with crying and stuff, yeah. but like, if you know how to get to me and make me mad, that's like a whole nother level of like, I might want to kill you. So like, let's not do that. And so, no, that's why I tell people that's probably the biggest thing that I can tell people that they'll never know the things that like, I'll talk about things that are funny, that irritate me or blah, 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 like that. But like things that I would never like things, something yeah. that would just yeah. make me red hot off the mention. I do not mention at all because I don't want anybody to bring that back up to me. Yeah. That would just make me like, right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's funny cuz I'm like, you know, like I don't know, like I think of like serious triggers and like my I talk about this a lot um because I'm still processing through it, but like talking about like childhood sexual trauma, like things like that. Like that stuff that triggers me and like but I also have more of like um I have more ability to deal with those triggers now. And it's also something I talk about a lot. So like you couldn't really like tweet something at me that's really going to get under my skin, but with like this random ass, like phobia thing, I'm like, but this, you will not know. (laughs) That's how the internet makes you feel like people have any power over you. Like (laughs) they can search your tweets and find something. It's like really different. And like, I mean, the people listening to this maybe not know, but like I went through some drama on Twitter a little while ago. Um, and it was a thing, most of you don't understand. Like I hated that thing, but I almost like I offered myself up in a way, but I hated it. But I was like, I have to do this because other people can't do this. Like if I had a normal job you could get me fired from, I wouldn't be able to respond in these situations. Um, but I don't ever want to be involved in Twitter yeah. drama. I've always tried to like, you know, cut that right out. So like that's the only time I've ever publicly where people can say I've been involved in, you know, Twitter drama with a really huge account. Um 
And that was like more a fear of mine, but I thought it would be kind of like, as you said, like it'd be something I tweeted or something like that. Not necessarily somebody coming after me, yeah. but like afterwards, um, it wasn't as scary. <laughs> like, I'm just scared. Sometimes I'm like, are people going to come to my house? Like, are you know, you're so easy to find people and stuff yeah. like that. Like, yeah. that's the part that scares me. But I'm like, I know. As far as internet, I, I don't think you all would do that. There's some people that have too many boundaries, but I had to like do a thing where I was like, I mean, because I'm so intense, I know the laws in my state and I know that we got to make your day law here. So I just feel like maybe nobody would do that because they would know that <laughs> you didn't know. I know. So, <laughs> but yeah, like there's like, I feel like before that I was really scared to be online picked on or something or that you know a big account would choose me as my personal account that had under 500 followers at the time and like try to take me down or get me suspended Mm. or you know something like that because that's a huge thing on the internet right Mm. now so before that I had a lot of anxiety about that now not so much and they probably don't like it's almost like I did another ring on an apple watch or something like oh okay that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be um <laughs> yeah. so it's almost like they, they that helped me in ways that they it probably shouldn't where I'm like huh so an account with over a hundred thousand followers could come after me I don't get suspended you can't get me out of here and like I can hit you back like I can hit you back with common sense enough that like you know it can be a conversation it's not just you coming down on me <laughs> Um, so in a way, I'm like, it made me a stronger person online. So you live and you learn. <laughs> Next week on the Pod Broads. Two years ago, I started a blog called Podraland, which is all about amplifying women's voices in podcasting because I had seen how positively the women in the podcast industry had improved my life just through like listening and getting like free knowledge from them, which I was super grateful for at the time. And I started this blog and then from there it just kind of kept becoming more things and I ultimately started this podcast and my goal with it is just to I just want to show off the cool shit that women are doing in the space and I feel like we all should be like getting more attention for the work that we're doing and should be listened to more um so that's essentially it and tonight I have three amazing women who are going to be joining me on stage and I'm super super stoked for you to hear from them That is, of course, me, your host, Alexandra Cole, and this is a snippet from the very first live recording of the Pod Broads, which happened on October 28th, 2021. And the three women that I'm referring to as my guests from that evening were Nortigori, Tiffany Ashete, and Bronwyn Isaac. It was such a wonderful night, and I'm so excited to finally get to share it with you. Make sure to follow and subscribe to the Pod Broads wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you'll never miss an episode. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the fun shit. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather get exclusive episodes of The Read that only you had access to, and they knew that you had access to them, They knew that you'd be listening. Um, Or would you rather get to talk one-on-one with one of your favorite romance novelists? I would say the exclusive of the read only because I don't... 
Mm. I don't necessarily like to talk to my faves. I don't, that probably sounds weird. Um, I like to have a boundary <laughs> between that and me and a lot of um, people. Cause I'm like, mm. I don't want them not to be able to live up to what I put in my head. So I'm okay being the crazy mm-hmm. person that thinks the things that they think. Um, so <laughs> no, cause I wouldn't want them to be like that crazy girl reads my books. Please stop. Um, so no. Cause I'd be in there like, remember in the series when you did, <laughs> and they'd be like, ma'am, ma'am, please. I just didn't feel like she would say that, you know, because if you go back to books, she was. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny and true. That's, that's how I would be with certain television shows. I'm like, this just is not in line with so their no, character. I don't need to like, do that. No. I don't want any authors asking me not to read their books anymore because I brought my intensity like to that conversation. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Um, okay. What to you is currently the most annoying TikTok trend? Ooh, wow. Um, when people do things in front of their, when we act like the camera hasn't been set up and people do things in front of their boyfriend, like um, <laughs> washing clothes or taking washing dishes or something, and then they're going to do a dance, but we act like they didn't have to set the whole camera up to do the dance. And like, you know, like they really just came <laughs> in the room to do the dance in front of the person. The person didn't know that, can't hear the music and that kind of thing. I'm like, I can't suspend reality enough to really pay attention and take this in. So no, one of those people that can't suspend reality enough. And I don't care that you have a boyfriend. I don't care that you have a partner. Y'all probably hate each other. Um, <laughs> I make up whole things on people in relationships and TikToks that like really push them out. They don't even know. And that's why you shouldn't be putting your relationship on TikTok because I'm out here making up whole things. There you go. My like, my my face hurts from laughing right now. Like it's like stretched to the... Oh my goodness. It's, I have to say, it's so funny that you just said that though, because this morning, I kid you not, I just looked at, I was on TikTok, obviously, because um, my brain has no peace um, now, but I, I was on TikTok and there was this one girl doing like a, par- a parody post of like, um, I'm an influencer and I'm going to show you what my morning routine is like. And so, she, and then the first thing is her like, so first I'm going to get out of bed and set up my camera and then get back in bed and get up as if I am first getting up in the morning to show you how I, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's so true. That, that, that was on point. Like there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, come on, come on, come on. I can't do it. Um, so yes, I could be here all day. If you ask me that, that's horrible. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, why did Grey's Anatomy end for you after 13 seasons? That, you want me to be triggering it? <laughs> oh, no. No, <laughs> um, so I thought, because as I say, I'm intense. Um, I, at one point, I was tweeting Krista because I knew she was a writer. Um, and um, I was like, you know what? You need to stop watching this show because you are out here. <laughs> Tweeting the writers of the show about how they are fucking up. Like, should you be doing that? You're trying to get blocked. You get blocked. Maybe Krista blocks you. Maybe Shonda see it. She blocked you. Do you want Shonda to block you? Like, she ain't even a part of it no more, but she might just be like, what the hell is your problem? So I have to say, okay, you know what? Let me stop. Um, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily like Joe. And then they had gotten rid of another character um, that was kind of like the person that competed with Joe. 
And then come to find out in these last few weeks, that was because uh-huh. she was taking pictures on the set. Jerica, um, it was just a, a person. So it was just like, um, it was oh. like they got rid of people and I couldn't understand why they got rid of people. And then they got, they had Alex and Joe and whatever get married. Um, and when they were doing that, they had had Meredith like do something illegal. And it was just like, this doesn't, like as much as I've been watching grades from the first episode, none of this makes sense for these people to all be mostly millionaires um, because you all are like attendings, you've been working here and all this other kind of stuff. So like my brain, the whole suspended reality, it just couldn't come together anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And then I left and I was still reading the tweets and I would be getting mad. And then the way they had Alex leave, I was just absolutely, like I wasn't even watching the show visually. I was looking at the tweets. And even that, like, I was angry. I was angry, like, as if that was my family and the show was real. <laughs> I was like, I ain't even been watching this show in a couple of years. And look at how angry I am about him leaving the show. So no, it just felt like they wasted time. Yeah. The season I, like, I stopped watching. They had developed another hospital and they had put Alex in the other hospital. And I was like, you can clearly see they wasted time mm-hmm. trying to keep him at Grey's Anatomy instead of just writing him off the show in a good way. Yeah. And then when he just left and they tried to make it seem like mm-hmm. it was him, I was like, it's clear that he didn't want to work with somebody on that set. You have to create a whole different hospital that's not Grey's for him to work at and bring some doctors over there. And then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, you guys take that hospital away. He comes back for like one episode in a Grey's and then he's gone. <laughs> like, in a Grey's, like, I'm like... They just tried to make it seem like it was him. And I'm like, but you can clearly tell there was a problem on set because we all know those kind of things don't happen for no reason. So no, it's, I just started yeah. with Krista and everybody else that was working on the show. Um, and now I see I was right. So, you know, I just want to say. She's going to make that known. Just look at me being right. Look at, look at me exiting at the right time. So. <laughs> I I partially like it was I was selfishly curious about that one because I don't watch the show but my boyfriend does he like through COVID like literally started it and then watched all of them and now he's caught up to like the new episodes that are just coming out but I remember specifically him saying that about Alex he was like this is not how he would leave he was like that doesn't make any sense and I was and like and I'm one of those uh, people that used to watch it before like I've rewatched Grey's Anatomy at least 20 times if not more um like <laughs> and, but I only go to that season and then I stop and then go back because I'm like mm. the rest of that, like I've tried to peek in the different things and I'm like, I just get angry. So it's just easier for me to stick into the things that I like. <laughs> and the season I like. So I'm sure yeah. there's other people out there like me when Grace Naomi just... is all the way over. That's when we'll probably unite. Like people that ended in 13 and be like, let's get your church or something like 13. Seasons. <laughs> I know my other grades are out there that had to walk away. I know we're out there, so. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Definitely. Um, that's so funny. Um, okay. What is a podcast episode you've listened to and re-listened to the most? Um, and re-listened to the most. I will... I don't say, I don't know that uh, there's a, the most for me right now. I would just say recently, um, I had saw the Marvel movie Shang-Chi and... There mm. was an episode I listened to, um, and I've listened to that three times, but I just found it on Spotify yeah. and it was like an hour and a half. And I, um, I just re-listened to it I would say three, maybe four, not whole times, the fourth time I just kind of did a certain part to understand what they were talking about. But I like 
Marvel movies and the details in them. Um, and so that one was just one that kind of gave mm-hmm. it on Asians in Marvel and like different things about that that I didn't know. So I really like the in-depth of that. Cool. Okay. I just have one final question and I just like to ask this at the end all the time is how my listeners can support you and your work with where, where they can find you. And if there's any other things that you'd like to direct them toward, um, it's podcast and color everywhere. So podcast and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, when I remember it, TikTok, um, and more coming, I would say, because I like, I'm using my voice, but I want to do, I've liked doing breakdowns of different things and podcasting and industry, some more reels and TikToks coming kind of that do a, like, this is current news, but also like things that have happened and do you understand this context Mm -hmm. um, of what's happening in an industry type of thing. So even though I'm exiting in different ways, I'm still pumping up in other ways. Our original music is produced by Carrie Blue. The cover art was designed by Elsa Bermudez. And everything else is produced and edited by me, myself, and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook at Podraland. And you can find out more of what I do at www.podraland.com. Sign up for my newsletter for more recommendations of women-hosted podcasts, related news, and special updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode. Tag us in it, like that shit, give it a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's my goal. So let's fucking do it. Dude.